Shabbat Shalom. My name is Noel Joshua Hadley, not Noah and uh, not Noel, but usually I won't say anything, but when somebody calls me Leon, I'm like, okay, this is just straight up dyslexic, but the name's Noel. And did you guys know, of course, this is the Unexpected Cosmology, uh, our, our weekly TP sessions, those, that would be the Torah portions. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Um, and uh, thank you for uh, making this a part of your weekly tradition. Did you guys know that when I was born, I'm um, give you a birth story starting out. I do think a name is very prophetic. And I have long wondered, like, why do I have the name Noel? Which, of course, comes from the French uh, Noel, like Joy uh, Noel. I probably mispronounced that there. But, it, it, you know, Christmas. And I've, I've long wondered, okay, so I almost years ago when I was going, when I came up with the name, the unexpected cosmology, one of the contenders I was going to call it was the last Noel, the last Noel, right? Cause I was going to be taking down paganism. And it quickly occurred to me that if I went by the last Noel, which I think is an awesome title, uh, that everyone would be calling me Noel from then on. And I couldn't do that. And so on the night I was born, of course, I was born on December 28th, 1980. The story is, is that my mom was sitting there on the couch and my dad was taking down the Christmas tree. And as the Christmas tree was being taken down, then she went into labor pains. And of course, I came out so quick, quickly. They were rushing to the hospital and I like I came out in the hallway. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't get me there fast enough. But uh, they always connected it with taking down the Christmas tree. And so they called me Noel. So I, I like that story a lot. And um, anyways, welcome, everybody. Glad you guys can be here. And thank you all for your outpouring of love as a community. When I came up with the fundraiser and I gave the situation last week, uh, within just a few days, uh, we were able to, four or five days, was able to raise enough money for the entire month of February. And um, and not only that, the, the subscribers at Patreon have gone up uh, considerably a very very large noticeable percentage and so i'm going to encourage everyone please help support this ministry going forward in the long haul you know a monthly uh subscriptions is is the way to go um and i'm going to give it a couple weeks and you know then i'll kind of roll it out again for you guys say okay here's the march budget here's what we got to come up with and uh, again, thank you, everybody. We've seen a huge difference. And one of the things I'll be reading from tonight is, well, we'll get into it. Let's just let's just get right into it. Oh, but before we do begin, uh, I'm glad you guys can hear me because I, I went live on Thursday night. I'm, I'm going like this. It was like a, like like a Japanese film, like you know, like you could fill in, you know, for me. I, I thought I was talking. My microphone was off for like two minutes. It was so embarrassing. Uh, good times. All right, so you can see before me here is the Unexpected Cosmology website. Do me a favor, uh, for all Patreon subscribers, okay? Uh, and if you do, if you do support me, um, some of you guys send in like checks, stuff like that, just, just email me, be like, hey, can you give me this because I don't have it. Uh, so if you go here to uh, subscriber content, you can see right there and then go right down to resource material. Click onto that. And this is the resource material we have as a ministry. And one of the things we really want to do here at Dennis Cosmology is foster spiritual growth, deeper understanding of scripture, 
closer relationship with Yahuwaha. And you know that that's the desires of my heart to to you know to hold up that banner, that flag, and to rally people say, you can do this. You can take those steps of obedience with our Father's commands. Uh, and this is something that I've always wanted myself, is what I call the Torah portion study guide. And what what I did was is I took four different uh, uh, type uh, languages of scripture, uh, the the Hebrew. Well, I'll explain in a second. And I lined them up side by side. So we have the KJV, and of course the KJV comes from the Hebrew Masoretic. We have the Paleo Hebrew, which Pamela, as you know, is translating it. Then we have the Jonathan Targum, which is the Aramaic, and the Septuagint, which is the Greek LXX. And I line them up uh, chapter for chapter, side by side, so you can actually uh, study this on your own. It's actually designed for your own study, for your own resources, uh, uh, cross-referencing, or for families, uh, Sabbath studies, and small groups. So uh, go ahead, go over there tonight, download it, because I'll be going through this tonight. I'll be covering it. So let me just show you this here. This is the Torah portion study guide, uh, number two, Shamawath, that's Exodus, second book of Moses. And we have all the different, it's divided by all the different Torah portions. So you see Shemat, Vera. And I, I decided to make the decision to leave all these other things in here just for you to be able to find, you know, where these stories are in, in the Bible. And one of the reasons I went with the King James other than the fact that it's it, it is public domain, that's that's always a plus. Uh, is that it's it's one of those that people are familiar with, right? It's it's that's the Bible, baby. Right? That's that's scripture, right? And so a lot of people when they're coming into this, coming into the Torah, and they hear all these names, one of the biggest complaints I get is the names. And I think it's it. I, I'm of the opinion to just like just jump into the deep end of the pool, take the polar bear plunge. If you want to learn. We're going to be covering a little bit of this, of this tonight. The, the thing is about the truth. If you really want the truth, you know, it, I guess the question is how much truth do you want? At what point are you like, I'm content, I'm good. I don't want to go any further. Because if you want to get at the truth, you have to dig into the language. You have to look at the words. And um, so I put the key. It's, it's beautiful to have the King James Version right there, right next to the Paleo Hebrew. So as people are reading the Paleo, they're like, I don't know what this word is. I don't know what this is. They can look right there. Boom, right there, King James, and it's covered. So uh, we want to go tonight to uh, Mishpatim, and that's page 118. So I'm just going to jump over there. Boom, that was easy. All right, we're going through Exodus chapter 21 through 24 tonight. As you can see there on the left, King James. Uh, I'll be reading from the Paleo Hebrew on the right. And, uh, of course, you know, I didn't put the Greek LX. So the Greek LXX and the Aramaic Targum falls after this. I didn't want to put four columns on one page. It would just be like, you know, be like, you know, this little piece of paper, like people squinting to to, to read it all, and I didn't want that. So what happens is on every Torah portion, you got the King James with the Paleo, you get through that, and then you pick up with the Greek and the Aramaic. All right, so, um, well, yeah, so, you know, putting the King James in here, I know that there's going to be, <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever translation I put in here, you know, there's always going to be some sort of, 
concern or disagreement with that translation. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really like the King James. I like the Hebrew Masoretic. Do I, do I think that the King James is perfect? No, I don't think it's perfect by any means uh, at all. All right. Paleo-Hebrew. Chapter 21, and these are judgments which you shall set in place to their faces. If you acquire a Hebrew or an, uh, a servant, which would be a uh, I baraya servant, six repetitions he shall serve. Uh, I love that Pamela put in there. If you look at the King James, it says six years, and I love that she put in six repetitions. Um, now, of course, a uh, Copernican would, would say, see, it's, you know, it's, it's revolutions around the sun, but, uh, you know, from the Hebrew perspective, obviously they were not Copernicans, uh, but they, uh, you know, everything is, everything is cyclical. Everything is circular. Time is not in, time is not linear. It just keeps repeating over and over and over again, going in a circle. And in the seventh, he shall go forth to freedom gratuitously, uh, and that, that's kind of interesting because here the King James says um, he shall go out free for nothing. But what Pamela is doing here is, is showing that it's not, it's not even a matter of releasing them. Like it, it's, they need to go better off than when they entered. Conditionally, if he came in by himself, he shall go forth by himself. If he possesses a woman, he shall go forth his covenant woman with him. Let me just let me just pause here because um, I, I just realized I jumped ahead of myself, and we're going to be talking a little bit about prison and slavery and that kind of stuff tonight. And this is a, this is a very famous passage in Scripture where people you know love sourcing this. Go, oh, the Bible talks about slavery. It's really interesting here that guys they have just come out of slavery, so we have been given the Ten Commandments, and we haven't been given the Ten Commandments in sapphire stone yet it hasn't been actually written down it was spoken uh the word spoke it into place uh but as soon as he starts going into the commands right the the 613 what is the first thing that yahuwah talks about slavery that's so fascinating so they've just come out of slavery and he's like this is what i expect of, of you if you take in a slave uh you're going to get them amazing treatments they're going to be released at the end of six years. You are not holding them indefinitely. You're not holding them and then their children and their children's children, and their children's children. Like, you know, you, you're, yeah. So let me back up really quickly. And uh, I, I was reminded last week because I told you guys that it was really interesting how Yahuwah comes down on the mountain and he's like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come down and it's going to be quite the show and I'm going to speak the words and everyone's going to listen. And people were freaking out when they heard his voice, when they heard the voice of Yahuwah speaking. And they, they were like, Moshe, no, 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 you, you go deal with this guy. We, we, don't, we don't want this anymore. You go up to the mountain. We'll stay down here. We're cool. We don't need to hear this. And it really occurred to me that the, the, the Torah, this is one of the, the sleight of hands that the lawless crowd do. They're like, well, the, the, the Torah wasn't written. And so the Torah didn't exist until it was written. And that is a huge fallacy because look what we see here. We see this is from Yochanan or John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with Allahayam and the word was Allahayam. He was in the beginning with Allahayam. 
all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it um and so the idea here is that the word became flesh the word pre-existed the flesh okay the word the torah itself pre-existed the writings and in fact you know i it could it could be argued that the torah was actually never intended to be written uh the torah was well let's keep looking into this right here we read in this is proverbs i found this really interesting particularly verse 18 but i want to read you this whole section from proverbs here it says happy is the mind the, the mind happy is the man who finds wisdom and who is wisdom it's the ruach kadesh and the man who gains understanding for her proceed for her proceeds proceeds excuse me she doesn't proceed her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and so again wisdom is feminine and her her gain than fine gold she is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her length of days is in her right hand in her left hand riches and honor her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace but then here's the kicker right here she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy all are all who retain her so here we see a reference to wisdom the ruach hakadesh being the tree of life and what did adam and chawaha do in the garden they ate from the tree of life they were literally eating of the torah in it would they were digesting it in paradise and they were they were eating the commands uh, and I, I think that that was always the way it was intended to begin with. I could do a whole study tonight on just, you know, eating and drinking and that sort of stuff, but that would be a distraction from the greater Torah portion. Um, here's a, this really stuck out to me too today. And so here we are, we're coming into a, a portion of where we're really going to start. We got through all, most of the stories, right? We got through uh, Adam and Eve and Noah and, uh, 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 who came afterwards? I, uh, uh, Yitzhak and Yaakov and, and their wives and going all the way up to Moshe, right? To the, the 12 patriarchs and Yosef up to Moshe. And you get up to Sinai. And I remember always growing up, that's what you read. You read the stories. And as soon as you get to chapter 21, you get to the 10 commandments, you read that, that's for you. You get to the 21, chapter 21, we're at, we're stopped. You stop and you just, you jump forward maybe to Joshua or you go to the, you know, first, second Samuel, the New Testament, but all this other stuff, it's not really for you. It's not applicable anymore. And yet look what we read here in uh, Psalm chapter one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight blesses, uh, blesses the man who delights in the law of Yahuwah, or say his delight is the Torah of Yahuwah. And in his Torah, he meditates. I don't like this version. What is this? Is this NIV? Oh, this is New King James Version. Okay. And in his Torah, he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. There it again. The Torah becomes a tree that produces fruit, right? Um, through wisdom. And 
I was thinking, I think about this a lot because this is straight up saying that you know, there are so many people out there, as you guys know, who hate the Torah. And, and <laughs> apparently this passage of scripture, this chapter amongst hundreds of other chapters are no longer true. They're no longer applicable. Apparently the man who meditates upon the Torah all day, just day and night, he's no longer blessed because it's no longer applicable for him or it's no longer true. He will no longer be, he will be apparently a tree that produces withered bad fruit, apparently from the stories of, from the comments I get online. And um, yeah, so one of the things I want to, um, oh yeah, so let's read, uh, this is, let's look at, um, no, I'm going to wait on this. This, um, this, these chapters right here is what I would call gnosis. And I, I talk about this a lot. And oh no, Noel's, <laughs> Noel's talking about gnosis again. Somebody, somebody quiet him before he starts talking about gnosis again. Uh, gnosis is something, as you probably all know, that you cannot, um, you can only experience, you cannot adequately express. Um, so the, if you're not, if you're not gnosis, you're, agnosis you're an agnostic an agnostic would say that there is no true experience you can have with the most high they, they they may believe in a god but they're like there is no known possible known experience you can have you cannot eternalize this therefore you they are agnostic right so gnosis is should not be a scary word for a lot of people uh, it's it's something that you know like you can't uh, uh, gnosis would be a, a circumcised heart so a person who doesn't have their heart circumcised, they may think it's circumcised. They may go around advertising it is, and they may try to imitate, imitate true fruit, but it's all fake. It's not real. They have not had that personal gnosis. It, having a circumcised heart is something you, you know, you could try to explain to somebody, but it's unless if you've personally felt it, uh, experienced Torah in that way. And that's what the Torah is. It's a transformative document. It's something that you are intended to read and um, and have it transfix and transform your life. Uh, case in point, slavery. All right. If you are now one of the questions you might be asking is, um, is, you know, if you're you could go you could go through the Torah and just look at all these boxes. Oh, I could have slaves now and I could have, a, you know, I could have 20 wives and I get, you know, just all these things. And I'm just going to do all these things. Uh, because it allows me to do it but the, the question maybe we should be asking is uh, if you're if you're reading this properly is do you want to be a slave like why do you want to be a slave uh, why do you want to have you know 10 wives or whatever like you know, all these things right okay so let's get back into this again uh all right conditionally if his adon has given to him a woman and she has brought forth sons or daughters to him the woman and her offspring shall exist to her Adon, and he will go forth by himself. And then what this is saying here is that if the man has uh, been taken as a slave, um, and he's a Hebrew man now, mind you. Now, the reason being is, well, okay, he's been taken as a slave. He does not have a wife. You know, he, he, he has some debt. He's taken as a slave because he has some debt he can't pay off. This is like recompense, all right? This What we're going through tonight is all recompense. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? And 
if if the master goes okay well i'll give you a wife and then you know but that at the end of the day it's going to be mine right now the big difference here with yaakov we went through that whole thing where he went back with laban and he worked for the bride price to get uh a rachel and then he ended up with leah and then he worked an additional seven years for uh for rachel though he was able to marry her after like a week uh, that was completely different because laban that was the deal he gets those women and Laban is now saying, no, 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 you were my slave the whole time, so they're actually mine. And he actually went back on the deal. That was a completely different deal that was made. Anyways, so, um, and he will go forth by himself. And if the servants speak, he shall say, I love my Adon and my covenant woman and my sons. I will not go forth free. And he will draw near unto Adoniah al-Ha'alahayam. And approach unto the doorway, or if he so desire, until the side post. And, and Pamela pronounces that a maza wa zaha, the side post. And his Adoniah shall pierce through his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him for a time of long duration. Now, there should be a lot that should immediately nab our attention there. We're seeing a door, we're seeing a you know, a pierced, in this case, an ear. Um, and of course, this is a, a person who wants to forever be the, they love their master so much, they forever want to be a servant for this uh, person. And of course, what does that remind us of? It reminds us of Yahushua HaMashiach being pierced on the cross. We, it reminds us of, um, uh, well, what does it remind us of? It reminds us of Psalm uh, 40 for one. It says right here in verse six, and this is referring to Mashiach, and it's actually referencing uh, Exodus chapter 21. This is what it says. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire. My ears have you opened. Right there, that is an actual reference to Exodus 21 being enacted, where uh, somebody says, I love my master. I'm going to go stand on the doorpost. You're going to go, you know, uh, pierce with the all right in there and, and mark me. So I will be yours for the rest of my days. And so um, my ears you have opened burnt offering and sin offering you do not require then i said behold i come in the scroll of the book it is written of me i delight to do your will oh my Allahayam, and your torah is within my heart and there we can see the the whole idea of the gnosis of the torah being within the heart the circumcised heart and this is somebody who wants to be uh they want to be a slave forever for Allahayam, and they want to uh, and of course this is mashiach and it reminds us the idea of of the um, the pierced ear reminds us also of the the marks on his hands. And you guys all know the story with Tehom uh, Thomas called the twin. And uh, interestingly enough, the the early tradition says that Tehom was uh, he was called the twin because he was Yahushua Hamashiach's doppelganger. I should show you guys some references on that coming particularly from the uh the acts of thomas not the gospel of thomas but the acts of thomas which is on my website i have it all edited you can go on there and read it and it says that he looked uh he was called the twin because he looked exactly like messiah and you guys know he says uh they said we have seen the lord and he says unless i see it in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side i will not believe and, you know, of course, he shows up and he says, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Uh, do not be unbelieving, but believing. And, of course, Yahushua Mashiach referred to himself as the door. There's a lot of um, uh, 
similarities here to Exodus 21 and how, um, yeah, just great. I know I probably sound like I'm rambling. I apologize. I haven't warmed up yet tonight. We hear, Here's uh, Paul talking in one of Paul's midrashes. This comes from his midrash in Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which also in Yahushua HaMashiach, who being in the form of Allah Hayam, did not consider it robbery to be equal with Allah Hayam, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming the likeness of men. And that would be a reference to Exodus 21 as well. All right. And if a man betrothed his daughter to be a mother, she will not go forth like servants go forth. Conditionally, if it appears evil, hurtful, or calamitous in the eyes of her Adoniah, who has designated her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He has no authority to sell or betroth her unto foreign people, seeing that he has acted fraudulently with her. And conditionally, if he has espoused her to his son, he shall do what is upright, like the judgment of daughters. So shall he work to her. Conditionally, if he take her for himself, another after her, her food, her garments, and her uh, conjugal rights, he shall not withhold or diminish. And conditionally, if he does not work by labor, these three to her, then shall uh, then she shall go forth gratuitously without silver. And um, right there at the end, I mean, I'm not going to be calling on every single thing here tonight, but uh, it's basically saying like, if the instance does come up and you take on another wife, you are not to diminish the first wife in, <laughs> she still gets her food rations. You got to make sure she gets her food rations. She gets her, uh, her garments, her uh, spending budget, all that kind of stuff and her conjugal rights. You got to make sure she's taken care of, uh, but it's, you know, you don't diminish her in favor of the new wife, right? You don't, you don't hate the old wife, take on the new wife. And this is all, of course, you know, a part of the transformative document that the Torah is. <clears throat> Instead of just checking off the boxes, right? Whosoever strikes a man and he dies, he will be executed. Executed. I love how Pamela put in the extra executed there. Because I think the King James, what does that say? He that smiteth a man so that he dies shall be surely put to death. But He's, he's not just executed, he's executed. However, he will he who does not lie in wait, but Ha'alahayim caused this to happen, to give into his hand, and I will set in place for you a place of habitation. There he shall flee, but if a man boils over, seething, and shall wickedly kill him with guile, you shall seize him from my altar to execute him. And so this is, of course, the sanctuary cities. Uh, if you, uh, if you really, I mean, if you like lie, laid in wait to kill somebody, you premeditated their murder. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you're going to be killed as well. Like you got to put away the evil from the camp, but if the situation occurs where you accidentally kill somebody, maybe I think an example that's given later on in the Torah is like, if you're, uh, if, uh, if you're swinging an ax, you know, Someone was too close. Maybe the axe handle came loose, something hit him in the head. They die. Okay. That, that wasn't on you. Um, if it can be proven that you did not murder the guy, you know, they bring the, the CSI crew, the priests out there and they pray and they figure it all out. They're like, okay, you know, but you might still need to go to a sanctuary city because the family to protect you from the family uh, who will be looking for vengeance. And he that strikes his father or his mother, he shall be executed, executed. 
Um, yeah, don't do that. Do not strike your father or mother. He that takes away a man by theft or deception and sells him. Um, so, or if he be received into his hand, he shall be executed, executed. And he that despises or lightly esteems or cast away his father or his mother, he shall be executed, executed. And if a man contends with another and one man strike another with the stone. So let's just, you know, rephrase, rephrase that there. Uh, your your father and mother are not to be cursed. They are not to be, uh, I think that says that later on tonight, you know, they are to be uh, honored and, um, you know, yeah. And I think this is something, man, I wish I would have looked into what the Pharisees were later doing is that they were kind of casting away their parents later on as well. They were making laws to do it. And if a man contends with another and one man strike another with a stone or with his fist, Yet he does not die, but falls into his bed conditionally if he should rise up and walk out uh, out of doors in the street or in the field upon any sort of support. Then he that smote him shall be freed from punishment. Only he shall give recompense. That's the, the, the theme word for tonight. Remember in like, you know, Pee Wee's Playhouse. I don't know why I just said that, but you're supposed to scream whenever you hear it. Recompense is the word of the night. Only he shall give recompense for the loss of time until he shall be thoroughly healed. Okay, so... The idea here is that uh, if you harm another person, okay, you're, you're in an argument, you hurt another person, he doesn't die, but he's injured. The, the judgments on you is that you have to give recompense for the loss of time. So you would go before a judge of Israel and he'd be like, okay, how much time has he lost now from the workplace for providing for his family? Oh, three weeks? Well, you got to provide for that now, but he's still crippled. He's still handicapped. This is going to really send him back. You got to take care of this. And he says, until he be thoroughly healed. Well, how long is that going to take? I mean, maybe a, a two or three days, maybe a week, maybe years. And so whatever you have taken from this guy, from his life, you have to provide in return, recompense. And this is what I love. I wish we had this judicial system in America or the world in general. Um, I have this whole thing. Maybe if there's time, we'll go over it later tonight. Um, I wanted to go through like the history of um, uh, of the how the prison system developed. Uh, all that to say is, you know, it seems to me like we we know that the the prisons are overfilled. They can't. They don't have enough prisons. They're overfilled. And the, the problem is, is that these criminals, they almost like they don't flourish outside of prison. Like they, they just become acquainted to like, well, I'm just going to live this life out there in the world and steal and do these crimes and just me, me, me and get, um, you know, uh, gain that is, you know, untruthful gain. And when they catch me, great, I'll just go to prison for the next, what, five, 10 years. The government will take care of me. And we're actually not we're not putting them in a position of going, Oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second here. Like, no, 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 You're not just going away to prison. Uh, they used to be called makeshift prisons. Okay. So it wasn't until, uh, the, the ref, the enlightenment and the reformation. Uh, so this is, you know, the last few hundred years where they're like, okay, well, well let's actually use prisons, not as makeshift anymore. And what a makeshift prison was is that you only went to prison, uh, when you were apprehended until you were tried. And then at the trial, it is determined what's going to happen with you. You're either going to be hung, 
uh, maybe, you know, you'll be an indentured servant, something like that, like in the Torah, something is going to happen to you if you're convicted of this or you're set free because you're innocent. And they started saying, well, let's not do that anymore. Let's put them in prison and try to teach them to be more virtuous, right? Let's, let's use prisons as indoctrination camps. And they've become indoctrination camps to just make them into criminals. They come out and they're just, they're criminals. And it's just, it's awful. It's just this circular thing that just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. I wish we had this. I wish we had like, we have these judges and go, yeah, you, uh, you did this. You harmed this person. You are now in their debt. Like maybe you could pay it off. If you can pay it off, great. But if you cannot pay it off, then you're going to have to work it for the six or seven years or however long it takes. Man, that would, that would, uh, look at what, um, Look, look what Yahusha says here. Uh, let's see. Well, I'll read this later. I'm going to read uh, Matthew chapter 5 a little bit later. And if a man strike his servant or perhaps his amoth, what does she have for a moth here? I forget literally mothers such as female servants or concubines who have born children so if you strike women mothers or concubines or any any woman who has children with the rod and he or in this case she dies beneath his hand he shall be avenged no doubt conditionally if he endures a day or two he shall not be avenged for this one is like silver and if men strive together and they strike a pregnant woman don't do that do not strike a pregnant woman um, so <laughs> I like to bring this one up a lot. It's like, oh, the Torah is done away with. So I guess we could, I guess we can kick a pregnant woman now. So, and they're like, no, that's terrible. I'm like, that's right. Because the Torah is good. Like all this we're reading, it's recompense guys. This is, this is good stuff. I wish I, uh, I wish our, I can't say this enough. I wish society was based on this principle of recompense. You know, we, we do this all the time with our children. It's like, one of my sons goes and breaks uh, one of my other son's toys. He, he might, for whatever reason, whatever psychological reason, maybe he does it on purpose. And we're like, okay, we could put you in timeout, right? We could put you in the modern prison system, or we could have you actually uh, make amends. And we'll turn to the other one, like, how can he fix this? And he's like, well, he needs to either fix this or if he can't, get me a new toy. And I'm like, okay, looks like uh, you broke his toy. You're going to have to now pocket this, be in his debt, and get him a new toy to replace this. That's how we do this in, in our household. Um, and I think that's the model put forward in the Torah. Anyways, going back to the pregnant women, uh, they strike a pregnant woman so that her offspring goes out. That means the baby is prematurely born and he will exist unharmed. So the baby is prematurely born, but lives and it says unharmed. The baby is not harmed. So maybe she goes like into labor early, right? A fine will still be imposed upon him, the man who uh, strikes the pregnant woman. He will still get a fine. A fine like that which the woman's Adan or her husband shall set, and he will give it unto the judges. So this is still going before a court. The judges are still going to determine this. This man is still guilty. He has to make recompense. But conditionally, uh, if he will exist harmed, the baby, if the baby will be harmed and Yah forbid uh, dead, then nefash shall be given in exchange for nefash. Isn't that interesting? So that it's a life inside the womb. 
you injure uh, that womb, you kill that, uh, you, you injure the, the life in the womb. I had to correct that. You injure the life in the womb or you kill the life in the womb, nefash for a life, uh, for nefash, soul for a soul, life for a life. Eye in exchange for eye, tooth in exchange for tooth, hand in exchange for hand, foot in exchange for foot, a burning in exchange for burning, a scar for a scar, a wound in exchange for a wound, a bruise in exchange for a bruise, a stripe for a stripe. And if a man strike the eye of his servants, or perhaps the eye of his amath, so that it be ruined, he shall send him away free in exchange for his eye. Hmm. But conditionally, if he shall cause his servant's tooth, or perhaps his amath's tooth to fall out, he shall send him away in exchange for his troop tooth. So again, recompense. Like you now, we're, the reason I'm going to be reading from Matthew 5 later tonight, because that Yahushua Hamashiach, he the, the the sermon, the, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount is literally his commentary on this chapter. I mean, he, he goes through the whole thing. And you're seeing how Yahushua HaMashiach is interpreting the Torah. Um, but again, so, I mean, he, he, and he'll he say, and we'll quote it later, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you. And it's basically saying that um, to, to be the servant of all, right? And to, uh, to serve the servants, and we'll get into that. And if an ox strike with the horn, a man or perhaps a woman, that they die. The ox shall be stoned, overwhelmed with stones, and his flesh shall not be eaten. But the master of the ox shall be free from blame. So it's kind of like uh, maybe in modern uh, suburban terms, you're walking down the street, dog comes out, attacks, uh, the bites, and... Uh, now, in this case, I mean, this is bad. I mean, the person dies. He's gored by an ox. Uh, the, the ox has to die. The dog has to die. And uh, But the owner is not necessarily to blame for this. But it says conditionally. Let's keep reading. If the ox were uh, apt to push with the horn from time to formally, like this, this ox has done this before. It Not even killed someone, just aggressive against people. And I, I would throw in any animal here, like a dog or anything else, right? And witnesses have told the owner again and again, and he has not guarded him. He, he didn't fence him off. He didn't make sure he was secure. He didn't make sure he couldn't get out. And he has killed a man or perhaps a woman. The ox shall be overwhelmed with stones. And in addition, the owner shall be executed. The man shall be, the owner shall be um, judged as manslaughter for being negligent, malpractice with his, with his animals and again this is this is not this is not putting on anyone oops your your animal killed someone that would be a horrible uh incident if that happens but like this is malpractice this is someone who has been talked to you need to do something about this this is a menace to society he's getting out he's injuring he's pushing people we can't even walk by your property without being gored by this ox or attacked by your dog or or whatever right so and this person he this person is being executed. He is being removed from the land because now he's a wicked person. He has not, he might be just one of those check the, the box people. He has not had that circumcised heart. He has not had the gnosis of the transformative document of the Torah. He needs to be removed before his wickedness spreads. Um, conditionally, he will set in place the price of redemption over him and he shall give a ransom for his nefash. All that which is laid upon him, whether he was has struck with his horn a son or whether he has struck with his horn a daughter, like the judgment, 
This shall be fashioned unto him conditionally. If the ox shall strike with his horn a servant or perhaps an amath, then 30 shackles he shall give unto their Adoniah, and the ox shall be stoned. And if a man opens the mouth of a pit, or perhaps a man shall dig a pit or cistern, and he does not cover it, and an ox or perhaps an ass shall fall therein, the owner of the cistern or pit shall make restitution. So, I mean, that's just, you know, that's just logic. I mean, you know, yeah. Again, you're just, you're looking out, you're, 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 you're recognizing that, you know, everything you do has consequences. You dig a pit, somebody could fall in this, someone could get hurt. It's malpractice. It's you not caring about other people. And you are responsible if you did not fence this off, you didn't mark this, you didn't, you know, tell people do not walk over here. Uh, you're going to make restitution. He shall restore silver unto the master of them and the dead shall exist to him. And if uh, so, basically, you're you're paying at this point the owner for the animal and you get the dead animal. And if one man's ox strikes another, another man's ox and it dies, then they shall sell the living and divide the silver and shall in addition divide the dead. Conditionally, if it be known, the ox be apt to push before that time and he did not guard him. The owner as a covenant of Shalom shall recompense in exchange for the ox and the dead shall be to him. Seems pretty straightforward. You know, how can we have neighbors living in peace? Uh, just follow this rule book. Just, just, you know. Again, I showed you guys last week, there was, you know, the five and the five, the Ten Commandments, right? The first five is how to love Allah Hayam. The second half is how to love your neighbor. And we're going through, this is how you love your neighbor. This is how you, how you flesh out the Ten Commandments. If a man shall take away by theft or deception an ox, sheep, or goat, and slay it or sell it, don't do that. He shall make recompense five oxen in exchange for the ox. So think about this. Like let's let's use this in modern terms. Okay, they say uh, they say sheep, goat, ox. Um, I'll go out on a limb here, and I'll say, well, what if we actually said cars? All right, somebody steals your car for theft or deception. They steal it for profit. They sell it. They get caught. Instead of just throwing them in the slammer, and they're like, so what? I. I was stealing cars because I don't want to work a job anyways. I'm just waiting to end up here again and have the government feed me. Um, he's got to now provide five cars value in return. And like he, he, if he can't afford that, he's now going to be in your debt. And he's now going to be working for you until he works that off. I mean, that's going to cause people to... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, second guess this whole this whole you know ordeal. I mean, this is this is created to root out evil from the land. Conditionally, if a thief be found breaking through and he be smitten and die, there shall be no blood shed for him. Okay, so you have the right. It's saying you have the right to defend your house. You have a thief breaking into your house. In modern terms, you shoot the guy. You're like, get out of here. You got five seconds, or you're dead. And he doesn't. You shoot him it's his blood's not on you. You were defending your house, your family. He was not supposed to be there. You know, you don't have to, um, you don't have to put a sign up and, um, and say like, um, you do not have a right to break into my home. And it is assumed, it is known that, you know, they do not have that right. Conditionally, if Hashemash has risen over him, there will be blood shed for him. He shall make restitution. 
conditionally. A lot of you know, there's always there's always uh, exceptions to the rules. Conditionally, if he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. Um, so, um, so yeah. So this is assuming that you didn't kill a guy that broke in. Um, he's going to be he, if he can't. If, if he's breaking in because he, he cannot give you recompense now for breaking in and he's caught, uh, he's now going to be, he's going to lose himself as property. I mean, he was coming to steal your property. Now he doesn't even have himself as property. He's going to be sold uh, for his theft until he can pay off recompense. Conditionally, if the thing stolen be obtained or be found in his hand, whether ox is prey or sheep or goat still be alive, he shall recompense too. You know, it's funny too, is that like, this is talking about, there's a lot of slavery talking here. But it's like, okay, well, what about prisons? People are like, oh, this is so evil that you, you know, that anybody would would be in somebody's debt. Well, what about a debt to the government, right? You're, you're in the debt to the government. You, they throw you into the slammer. How is this any different? Actually, this is way better. This is a way better system. And again, remember now, the idea we already saw that the idea is is that you know that if somebody is in debt to you and they are working something off it is your goal to make them a better person it is your goal to at the end of this when they are set free they have to be set free eventually that you cannot you, know, you cannot keep them in this kind of debt forever you know just keep tacking on the uh you know the debt um and they they're there to walk away a better man if a man kindle a fire in a field or vineyard and he send his cattle and they consume in the field of another from the best part of his own field as a covenant of shalom, he shall make restitution. If fire goes forth and reaches thorns so that heaps of sheaves in the field be consumed or stalks of grain or the field itself be consumed, he that kindled the burning in a covenant of shalom shall make restitution. So um, we're talking here about cattle going and consuming somebody else's uh, field. We're talking about somebody's um, uh, actual field being burned down or whatever due to someone's negligence. This reminded me of this passage in Jasher right here. And we see the same thing happening with Cain and Abel. And Cain approached his, this is chapter one of Jasher. And Cain approached his brother Abel in anger. And he said unto him, what is there between me and thee that thou come to dwell and bring thy flock to feed in my field? Now remember, now by this point, Adam had divided their inheritance because they were already not getting along. And he's like, all right, if I make one a, a farmer and the other a, a shepherd, kind of give them their separate lands, you know, they can maybe respect each other's boundaries or borders. Still wasn't happening. But look at how Abel responds. He says, well, Abel answered his brother Cain and sent him, what is there between me and thee that thou shalt eat the flesh of my flock and clothe thyself with their wool? So it sounds like Cain was already coming over, nabbing his sheep, sheep, eating it, and clothing himself with the wool that was not his. And so Abel's like, okay, well, I need some recompense here. He's not giving it, so I'm going to allow my sheep to go over and uh, eat of his uh, eat of his land. So this is, you know, this is what this chapter in the Torah is trying to work out, so that we could live with our neighbors uh, in love and respect, so we don't murder each other. If a man shall give unto his companion silver or perhaps any item of general importance to guard, and it be stolen from the man's house, 
If the thief be found, he shall recompense double. I like that. That's awesome. Like go in and you steal people's jewelry, their silver and their gold. That thief is going to pay double the amount. Conditionally, so in, in a way, <laughs> so think about this. Like it is not to your advantage to shoot the guy, right? You don't want to kill the guy. You don't want to maim the guy. Like you want to just get the guy. Um, if this were the law of the land, someone breaks into your house, it is to your advantage to, uh, especially if he's already nabbed something, like maybe you, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say, you know, he wait to like, you know, he nabs something, but you know, you, this guy, like if he's going to pay back double of what he stole you, or in some cases, several times. Conditionally, if the thief is not found, the owner of the house shall approach into Al-Alahayam to determine whether or not he stretched out his hand into his companion's property. For all words or plans or matters of fault, any trespass or defect over ox, over ass, over sheep or goat, over a covenant of shalom, over the destructions of anything which is said to be his, this matter of two individuals shall come before Ha'alahayam. Alahayam shall declare un the unrighteous cause. He shall recompense double to his companion. If a man gives unto his companion an ass, an ox, sheep, or goat to guard, and it die, or perhaps it be led away captive, no one observing, a covenant confirmed by an oath unto Yahuwah the ever-living, will exist between the two. Conditionally, if he has not stretched out his hand to his friend's property and has not taken it for himself against its owner, therefore he shall not make restitution. Conditionally, if he be stolen or taken by deception from him, then he shall make recompense to the owner. Conditionally, if it is torn in pieces or plucked away, he shall enter testimony over the cattle torn. He shall not make restitution. And if a man request to borrow, moreover, from his companion, and it be broken, torn in pieces or destroyed, or perhaps and die, and the owner was not with it, as a covenant of shalom, he will recompense. Conditionally, if the owner be with it, he shall not uh, make restitution. Behold, it is a hireling. It came with payment. So uh, a couple things in here. One is that, if uh yeah if you borrow something from your neighbor and you're negligent you break it recompense um if the owner is present and something is broken uh then you are not responsible for it but i find really interesting here because i've been thinking about this a lot about how in the world are you going to bring something before ha Allah Hayam and he's going to settle this uh i personally think because it's like you know a, a what are you going to do? You're going to go to Mount Sinai and you're going to fast for 40 days and wait for him to come down. He's going to speak to you. Uh, personally, the way I think that this works out is, has already been described for us in the last Torah portion when uh, Moshe uh, divided up the elders over the tens and the hundreds and the thousands and so on and so forth. And the idea is that Alahayam is speaking through these judges and we see examples of this like in bill and the dragon no 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 i'm sorry not bill and the dragon susanna uh, or shushana where the two um they were elders of israel they were living in babylon and they went and tried to well, i should say rape a young uh woman and uh they accused her of when she screamed she did what she was supposed to do in the torah we'll cover that when we get to that passage uh, they accused her of indecency, and it actually took Daniel to come in and question them. And he was ultimately speaking for Allah Hayam in judging the, 
the, the true the true culprits were these two individuals and Susanna was innocent. And of course, another incident would be Solomon when the case was brought to him. And you figure by the time this case was brought to him, he'd already had all these judges like this had to go through the judicial system by this point. And it goes all the way up to Solomon and the two mothers come forward, right? And he judges that the mother of, they're both claiming that this one baby is theirs and that the other may, the other mother had the dead baby and they stole the baby, the living baby. And he is like, all right, well, let's cut the baby in two. And then one mother starts weeping and crying like, no, don't kill the baby. Give it to the other mother. If that, I want this baby to live. And the other is like, no, kill it, right? And that would be, you know, that would be that would be Allah Hayam. I guess I'm talking too fast. That would be Allah Hayam speaking through that situation and judging it. That's how I see this going down. Um, if you had a true Torah system set up where you have the elders of Israel, um, that um, Allah Hayam would be speaking through it. And if a man deceive a Betulia, a Bafu Yulaha, uh, now, this is, interestingly enough, this is, as Pamela adds here, one who has been secluded from intercourse. Now, if you guys went through my 144,000, which was probably one of my most <laughs> like ignored and disliked uh, things I did, because whenever you talk about the 144,000, everybody has these, like, there's like probably dozens of theories out there. And I know I just threw another theory into the the pile of dozens and dozens of them. But, you know, guys really like the 144,000 because they're like, they're like these centurion, these badass centurion guards and stuff like that. And, but it uses the word Betulia in, in the Hebrew revelation or Betula. And that is ever and only addressed to women ever. And so if, and keep in mind, the writer of Revelation, Yochanan, he's working off of the Torah. So, and the Tanakh. So, if he is saying that the 144,000 144, are dudes, um, then it's the first time ever in scripture that a Betula would ever be a dude. Uh, and I have pointed out too that the the tradition, the Catholic tradition of nuns being the brides of Christ um, stems from the 144,000, I believe. I, th I think it comes out of the millennial kingdom. Anyways, uh, Betula is not necessarily a virgin. Um, a virgin would not be, I was talking with Pamela about this earlier today, confirming this, a, a virgin would not be the best word to use because a virgin implies that a woman has never had intercourse and that once you lose your virginity, you can never get it back. A Betula is different because a Betula is, the first Betula we saw was Rivka when she comes forward and Eliezer goes to uh, towards Babylon to Mesopotamia to find a wife for Yitchak and he sees a Betula coming forth. First time a Betula is ever mentioned. The idea is that uh, this Betula uh, did not have intercourse, never had had intercourse, nor did she partake in uh, the worship of idols, which is what the 144,000 is implying. They're, they're talking about these Rivka-type characters. Well, the thing is, is that a Betula can, be, can have lost her virginity, but now she is secluded from intercourse again. And the reason I'm talking about this right now, because this change, that understanding changes this entire passage. All right. So instead of addressing this as uh, this would be verse 16, uh, instead of talking about a man having intercourse with a virgin, um, let's change this to say a man having intercourse with a woman who is set aside from intercourse. 
So if a man deceive a betula who is not espoused and he lies down with her, so this is not adultery, okay? She's not married. She's not espoused, not another man's woman or wife, not even engaged. And he lies down with her. He shall pay the bride price. He shall betroth her to him as his woman. All right. So I've just changed this for a lot of dudes are very angry at me right now because this is one of those passages that are discussed. They will say, well, yeah, you're not supposed to lie with a virgin, but if a woman is not engaged, she's not married, but she's not a virgin, you can lie with her. It's totally acceptable. Uh, but again, this is why I said earlier tonight, the thing about the truth is you, you got to get into the language. And I, I'm still learning at this. I'm still learning Hebrew. Obviously, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Um, but if this is accurate and it's true, that changes everything here. Um, you you lay down with any woman that is secluded from intercourse, uh, and uh, she's not your wife. You're paying the you 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 should pay the bride price for her. All right. You need to treat every single woman with that kind of respect. Uh, every woman deserves that respect. Conditionally, if her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he shall weigh out silver according to the bride price of um, uh, Habath Thu. You love, um, or Bethula. She will not exist as an, in, in, she will not exist as an uncompensated woman. And so it's, it's given, it's giving women this, this value, right? This respect saying every woman is valued. If you are truly understanding Torah, if you are truly following it, you will see a woman and you recognize she is, she is valued as somebody's wife. I'm going to treat her either as my wife or somebody's, if not someone, you know, or somebody else's future wife. And in fact, this was the best advice, uh, probably one of the best pieces of advice I was ever giving, given as a teenager. I had a very wise older man tell me when I was 16 years old, he said, he, he personally told me, he said, treat every single woman like uh, it is somebody else's future wife. I want you to look at every woman you're attracted to and that you're thinking of lusting after and before you follow that line of thought, just remember that she will be married to some other man someday, and she's going to have to explain to him all the men she slept with. And that put the fear of on me. I'm like, whoa. And that's why I saved myself for my wife. I waited until I was married to partake in that deed because I wanted to um, to value women in that way. And that that's I didn't even understand back then that that's Torah. That that's the Bible, baby. That's Torah. All who lie down with a beast, he shall be executed, executed. And that's just disgusting to even think about that someone would be so depraved to do that. Yeah, just, you know, remove them. I, I can't, I, I shouldn't say I can't wait, but I am waiting uh, for suddenly, you know, all the people who, the Christians who are lawless, who have done away with the Torah, as soon as the LGBT, LGBTQ plus alien exclamation point question mark movement uh goes into bestiality i mean it, you know when they eventually get there because you're right they're all kitty cats and dogs and that kind of stuff probably not far away from that it's already going on far more than you know is being reported um i i can just see all the christians pointing to this you know passage right here oh he should be put to death it's like oh who's who's uh reading the torah now right when it when it you know when it's convenient for you. He that slays and sacrificed to Allah, he is shut up, separated, has fallen away from Yahuwah. 
Now this is this is notice this is not capitalized Al Hayam. The King James here would say he that sacrifice sacrifices unto any god, save unto Yahweh only, he shall be utterly destroyed. All right. And you shall not act violently or aggressively toward a stranger, and you will not afflict him, for you existed as strangers in Mitreen. You shall not bring low or afflict a widow, bereft or child bereaved of its father. Let me uh, pause there. You know, th this is all over the news today. And I was just telling the group before we went live, I really don't follow the news much. But one thing I am pretty aware of is the big, you know, in January of 2024, the big news has been the border, the wall. And... Um, I just want to be very clear that I, if I have time tonight, I want to read from the Book of Britain again and just go over and show that like uh, a person's nationality is very important and preserving that and actually stopping foreign invaders because it is very true that what is happening right now. The idea is is that um, every 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 country needs to protect their culture and. As you guys know, I mean, I believe the millennial kingdom happens. And when you come out at the other end, you look at Europe, which was ground zero for it. And you have all these different languages and all these different very unique cultures, sometimes hundreds of miles apart. Just like in the United States, like, you know, you go from Virginia to West Virginia. You In Europe, you're, you're crossing from one language to another, just completely different, even clothing, everything, right? And it, they showed you they had borders. They had... They were living according to their tribes and they, you know, they respected those boundaries and they had um, that uniqueness um, that. So what we're seeing now is a total invasion and a takeover of countries. Nevertheless, when you do have someone who is a stranger, you are to uh, you're not you're not to afflict them. You're not to uh, you're you're to respect them. All right. You shall not bring low or afflicted widow, bereft or child bereaved of its father. Conditionally, if you bring low or afflict him, and conditionally, if he shall in any way cry out unto me, this would be the widow or an orphan. If they, in, if you afflict him and they in any way cry out to me, like this is Yahweh getting serious now. He's like, I better not hear the cry of a widow or an orphan. I will absolutely hear and answer his cry. Like he's promising, I hear, I hear that baby crying, that little orphan, that ooh, it, it, you better not be the one they're crying about. You are gonna be in trouble, with nostrils flared and breathing hard in my wrath. My anger shall be kindled, and as a powerful son, I will slay you with the sword, and your woman shall exist as widows bereft, and your son shall be bereaved of father. So let's just look at a few passages here. If I can um, let's see, here's actually a, a page that they show a great deal of passages dealing with widows and orphans. And obviously, not going to go through all these, but it's very clear that in all of these, this is the heart of Yahuwah himself. And we read here in Psalm 68. A uh, sing to Allah Hayam, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is Allah Hayam in his holy habitation. Allah Hayam sets the solitary in families, 
he brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry ground. Um, and this is interesting here in Yaakov chapter one. If anyone thinks he is religious, oops, let me scroll this down so you can read this. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And of course, this is one of the ways you can deceive yourself and have a worthless religion. Religion that is pure and undefiled before Allah Hayyam, the Father, is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I had a guy, uh, uh, I was on a phone call with a guy recently. He's a, I won't, I won't give too much of his de details away because he does a lot of, you know, kind of undercover work, be, you know, he, he keeps it low on the radar with some foreign governments and uh, working with orphanages in Muslim areas. And he was really, he, he found out about my research, you know, he lives, you know, most of the time on the other end of the world. And he was asking me about the, he was fascinated about the millennial kingdom. He's like, yeah, right. And he said that this is a huge paradigm shift for him because he said for the first time, he he's not he doesn't have that fear of of like you know the tribulation you know the apocalypse happening and he and he said everyone is is waiting for this and just talking about it and they just they're so concerned and they're just stockpiling and all this stuff and he said for once we can all finally stop you know you know doing that and actually start caring for the widows and the orphans again. I was like, yeah, like that's, that's, that's what we should be doing. Right. That, that should be our focus is care for the widows and orphans. Um, that is the heart of the father. It's the heart of Yahuwah. If it is not on our heart, then we don't have his heart. And that's like, just evaluate that for yourself. Do I have a heart for widows and orphans? If I do not have a heart for widows and orphans, if I do not, you know, care to take care of them, um, and, and y'all forbid you're actually afflicting them in any way, shape, or form. But if they're then then do I have the heart of Yah? All right. That's the transformative document that is the Torah. All right. Conditionally, if you bring low or afflict him, and conditionally, if he shall in any way cry out unto oh yeah, I read this. My anger shall be kindled. Okay. Conditional. Conditionally, as power over chaos, if you lend silver to my people, the wretched poor, meek, or afflicted near you, you shall, <clears throat> excuse me, drink a coffee here. You shall not exist to him as a creditor, neither shall you put in place interest against him. And I, I had started to say this earlier with, you know, the whole idea of, of someone being in debt to you, someone being in some sort of servitude, slave situation with him, with you, like, they they pay it off they do their duty they work hard to get it done you don't keep holding against them right you know oh the credit's stacking up and you know well i'm i'm tacking on you know five seven percent oh you're never going to pay this off this right it was it could have done in 20 years but now it's like you know 30 40 years right you're not taking it's not like people are taking loans out and this kind of stuff <clears throat> conditionally as power over chaos you shall not in any matter bind by a pledge your companion's garment as a covenant of shalom towards the going down of shamash for it is his only covering it is his garment for his skin and what shall he lie down and it shall exist when he cries out unto me i will hear an answer for i am merciful so i mean this is apparently messed up if you're actually uh taking like the only clothing he has 
uh, yeah, give the guy some dignity, right? And we're, we'll actually be talking about that when we go through Matthew 5. Like, Yahushua HaMashiach is straight up just like, you know, like, like just give, you know, we read this elsewhere, that the heart of Yahuwah, give the guy the, the shirt on your back, right? That it, it's not, it's not about even at this point about not taking his shirt. It's like, give him the shirt you're wearing, all right? Get, go above and beyond for other people. Show them this, even if they are indebted to you, show them an uh, enormous amount of love. Show them the love of Allah Hayam. Make it so that they, you know, they want to be the, the kind of person they're like, yeah, I want to get my ear pierced and, and live with this guy forever. This guy is the most amazing master ever. This guy loves Allah Hayam. He has an amazing heart. I want to serve this guy. Like I am better off with this guy than I am on my own. That's that's the kind of person that you know Yah wants us to be. You shall not diminish lightly esteem or despise Allah Hayam, and you shall not curse the lifted up ones among your people. So we need to recognize that Allah Hayam puts people over us. And just on a, on a practical level, like one of the things that I, I live by, I hope I live by, and I want to repent of if I ever break this, is that people out there who are genuinely trying to teach Scripture, they are teaching the Torah, I see these people as, you know, these are people that I do not want to curse or put down or, or as I say here, diminish or lightly esteem them. Certainly don't want to slander them. I don't want to gossip, you know, about them. Um, and, you know, I want to honor people who are, I want to, I want to honor other people the way they, I want them to honor me. And I think that's really important. And I, and I don't want to have an environment here at TUC where, People come in and they feel like they're trying to butter me up by trashing somebody else. You know, when they come in and, oh, this person over here, this guy, you know, I can't believe he says this and that. I'm like, okay, well, that's great. I mean, he says that. I say stuff too that I'm sure they think is pretty messed up. So, you know, we could all just sit around and just talk about, you know, he said, she said, right. But at the end of the day, if we were just to, you know, esteem other teachers of the law, um, you know, we would be a much better and healthier community. Right now, it's a very fractured community. Your abundance, and people don't like when I say that, but, you know, from where I'm saying, it's a very fractured community. And I, I can tell you right now, there's a lot of people that will not, uh, they will not speak with me. They will not associate with me. I'm on, I'm, I'm on some blacklist. Your abundance and the tears of your grapes and olives you shall not delay to offer. Your firstborn sons you shall give to me. Isn't that interesting? Your firstborn sons. Now that they had just come out of um, Egypt and they just watched all the firstborn sons get massacred, and this was a obviously clearly a, a you know result of the Egyptian sin, Pharaoh's hardened heart, an attack of their gods. But it's it's really interesting here that you you, you see like why this was so important to Yahuwah to kill the firstborns, and. Uh, and he's saying in reverse here to Yashiro, he's like, your firstborns, you're to give them to me. They're, they belong to me. The first, the first of, you know, that comes out of the womb. Therefore, honest and upright, you shall work this for your ox, your sheep or goat. Seven days he shall, he shall exist against his mother. On the eighth day, you will give it to me. And you shall exist as set-apart men to me, and flesh in the fields which has been torn a beast you shall not eat. 
she shall cast it unto the barkers. <laughs> I love that line there. Uh, the As you can see, the King James up here, uh, it says dogs. You shall cast it to the dogs. And uh, Pamela, in her wonderful translation, she calls them the barkers. Uh, but basically here, so yeah, you see... Uh, when you're when you're driving down the road and you see roadkill, uh, you see a dead deer, you see a dead raccoon or whatever, right? Squirrel, possum. Uh, we have a lot of that here in the south, of course. Uh, what do you see? You see buzzards there pecking at them, right? Pulling up the meat. Those are unclean animals. And so, it's just pay attention to what animals eat what, and you know where. Like you have, yeah, um, and don't want to be like you don't want to be a buzzard you don't want to be like that you see a carcass on the ground you leave it alone you don't eat it all right chapter 23 no lifting up hearing and answering falsehood vanity iniquity no turning your hand in union with the condemned and guilty to exist as a hamas violent is that word hamas violent uh to exist as a violent witness you shall not exist following after a multitude to comment what is malicious noxious or evil uh this is something that i am very much on guard with here at tuck and i i pointed this out last week as we are cultivating and developing this more as a congregation and i know that those of you who are in our discord group throughout the week you guys tell me all the time how much you love it and how you can have these open conversations in there and you can look into things and not feel condemned for it and so on and so forth and when unfortunately Every so often, you know, when someone someone comes and tells me that, like, they come into the group and they're like, you know, yeah, I'm like, I'm kicked out of like every group I go into because I'm just, you know, I'm I'm just, they can't handle the truth. I'm just like, okay, here we go. Like, you're the next in line to get kicked out of here. It just, it's like you're the type of person that, it, and it shows to be true that they, they their idea of the of giving people the truth is. I think I said this last week, but it's like imagine if you you're you're going on a uh, you're going on a date, right? It, you this could be you could be a man or a woman, and you're obviously dating a man or a woman, and they're coming over, and you're going to cook them dinner, and you want to cook them the nicest meal. You know, it could be steak and potatoes and you know vegetables, whatever. But you're cooking this amazing meal. You want to really impress them, and then they come over, and you serve it on a trash can, a smelly trash can lid. And you plop it down in front of them and they look at this and you go, and they're like, you want me to eat this? And they're like, what? I put in all this effort. You know, you're not going to eat that. You can't handle it. That's the, the very attitude people come into, not just my ministry, but just ministries all over. They come in with these attitudes and they just plop down. It's, it's like, it's like walking down a back alleyway, you know, and some guy pops out of a trash can. He's like, you know, you want to get woke and, you know, and he's got the red pill there. It's like, no, ew, it's got some, probably have some disease. I don't want your wokeness, you know? And I tell people all the time, it's not about what you say. It's about how you say it. Not, you know, nine out of 10 times. It's, how you say something and when you come in and you're disrespectful you show contempt you're going around and you're uh we when we found this too uh that when it gets to the point that we have to remove someone from the community because of their actions towards other people their disrespect or contempt interestingly enough that person when they finally leave usually two or three if not more people leave with them like they all get word that they they were removed and they all leave and we're like 
there it is. Because we were intercepting some messages where they were actually poisoning the will with their malicious talk. And they were, uh, you know, once you poison a well that you can't unpoison it, you can't untoast the toast. And people are become blinded by their gossip campaign and they start believing things that aren't true. Um, and uh, unfortunately, we have had some, uh, without getting too political with you guys, you know, I, I try to stay out of these things, especially when they are cases that belong in specific congregations. People bring me these cases like I'm a judge of Israel, but you're like, no, what do you think about this? I'm like, is that something that happened in their congregation that's privately between them? Why is it all over the Internet? Why are all these people getting sticking their nose in the situation when this is in this church? They are dealing with it. Stop airing their dirty laundry. Um, and it just creates this situation like you see here. Um, and you just see false witnesses and people just start saying things. There's no accountability. Uh, you know, it, the, the idea is, is like if you if you were to what gossip and slander is like, is like if you were to stand up uh, on a building top and you take a, a feathered pillow and you take a, a knife and you cut and all the feathers fly out. Those feathers are going everywhere. You're never getting them back. They're gone. Once you say something publicly and it goes out there and other people hear that and they start repeating it and it just spreads, you can never stop that. And it just lies and lies and lies. And uh, get, getting the truth at that time, it's just like so muddy. So I, I feel very strongly about this, about, um, about you know, just the, the, the sheer amount of falsehood we see um, online in the communities where people call themselves truthers they are for the truth and then they just they just lie they lie they lie they lie and you just watch them um and it's just okay just to trash uh trash people slander them particularly people who are proclaiming uh trying to teach people uh the bible like they're they're number one in line number one in line to be trashed and slandered time and time again it's it's tragic you shall not exist following after a multitude to comment what is malicious, noxious, or evil. So again, you see, you see a multitude forming. You see this leaven forming, and apparently it didn't get the it didn't get cut fast enough. Now it's spreading everywhere. This yeast, get get out of there. Remove yourself from that situation. And you will not sing, proclaiming with a loud voice over contention, or to stretch out to follow after the many to seduce. And do not honor the weak or powerless in his contention or strife. If you happen upon your enemy's ox or perhaps his ass going astray, this is your enemies, by the way, your worst enemies, you will turn about and restore it to him. And again, at the end of this, I'm going to show you commentary uh, with what Yahushua HaMashiach talks about. If you should observe the ass of your hater, like <laughs> of your hater, uh, that's nice, Pamela, I like that, lying down beneath his burden and leave off, that is, you desist from helping him. You will certainly loosen the bands and let the animal go in spite of him. Uh, and this is like straight up. You guys all know about Yahusha's uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Do not turn away what is lawful and just from the wretched, uh, and just from the wretched and poor one in his contention. Remove yourself from falsehood and lying words said in array. And do not kill the uh, Zadayak, your righteous and just ones. For I will not justify the condemned and guilty. And you shall not take to yourself a gift. For the gift makes blind the open-eyed and overturns the proposed plans of the just ones. And a stranger you shall not afflict. For you intimately and completely know the nefash of a stranger. For you existed as strangers in Arat's Matzrim. 
In six years, you shall scatter seed upon your land and collect the produce. And the seventh, you shall lie, let it lie until then left to rest. I don't, you know, people comment on this a lot, that this idea that, you know, you're, you're to farm land for six years, you got to let it rest uh, for the seventh year. And there's a lot of commentators out there wondering if this was ever practiced in Yasharil. I mean, maybe there were some people who did, but uh, it appears like this was not uh, practiced. And the sad thing about this is, is that because people are thinking selfishly, they're like, okay, I'll obey the Torah where it's convenient for me, where I see that, you know, I can get benefit from this, but I don't see how I can get any benefit from uh, not getting produce or not, you know, uh farming the land for one entire year and you know later on yahuwah is like look dude just if you just obey me just do what i say you will be blessed you you will be blessed so much beyond your imagination you know just let go of that that selfishness just do what i tell you to do and people don't do it and the seventh you shall let it lie until and left to rest and the needy and the poor of your people shall eat as well as the living ones of the plains. You shall work in like manner to your vineyard and to your olive trees. Six time periods, of course, six cycles, six years, shall you fashion your work. And in the seventh, you shall sh uh, Sabbath rest to the purpose and intent that your ox may rest and your ass may rest and your son and your amath. That would be, again, that would be your, um, your mother's. You let your mother rest. And the stranger may take a breather. And in all which I have commanded to you, you shall guard. And the name of um, Akar, Akar Yayam, Alahayam, or this would be for secondary gods, that'd be like archons, right? You shall not call them to mind, nor hear an answer out of your mouth. Three beats of the foot, you shall keep a festival. Um, what did she put there? Three times. I like that. Three beats of the foot. You shall keep a festival. Dancing, being getting. Now, these three festivals, as we know, is the spring feast, Pentecost, fall feast. Dancing, being giddy. So you are commanded to go to these feasts with a good attitude and have fun. You shall keep a festival. Dancing, being giddy. Because, I mean, you're 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 going into the presence of Yahuwah and, you know, he doesn't want you know, negative Nancy's or Debbie Downers uh, going to these feasts. I mean, you're coming into his company and he wants to be in good company. You shall guard the festival of unfermented bread seven days, as I have established at the set time during the Kadash uh, Abayab, the month of the green corn. We went over the green corn um, two or three we uh, weeks ago now. For in it you were brought forth from Matrim. Let me just quickly say, what does it say here in the King James? Um, what does it say? Whatever. It doesn't say green corn. And that was the thing that was kind of freaking uh, tripping us out when we were looking at that. No one shall observe my face empty-handed in the festival of Ha Kutsayar, the cutting off of the corn harvest, your Bakagwar. Uh, that would be your first fruits of your work, which you have sown in the field and the festival Ha Asaf, the ingathering. So again, you have, you know, obviously uh, Passover, unleavened bread, that's the spring. You got Pentecost and then the, um, finally the harvest of the uh, Sukkots and Yom Teruah and um, Yom Kippur and all that. 
in the ingoing of out of the year, in your gathering, in the work by labor from the life of the field. Three strokes of the anvil you shall observe. All your mail shall appear to the face of Al Ha Adan Yahuwah the ever living. You shall not offer slaughtered animals with fermented bread, and neither shall the blood of my slaughtered animal, the best or choicest of my festival sacrifice, pass the night until daybreak. The chiefs of your, so again, just practical example, you have your Passover lamb, uh, whatever you do not eat that night, it, it has to be burned before daybreak. The rest of it, you don't, you're not putting it back in the fridge. You're not saving it for, this isn't like, you know, Thanksgiving leftovers. You're having your Thanksgiving turkey uh, a sandwich. You're not having like lamb sandwich on the next day or anything like that. It has to be burned by day, uh, by sunrise. The chiefs of your backwar uh, of the, of your ground, you shall bring to the house of Yahuwah, your ever-living Alahaya. You shall not ripen a kid of the goats in the fats of his mother. Now, this passage here, uh, I don't think I have time to, uh, of course, the King James says, thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's milk. This is the passage, actually, where in the Talmud, they interpret this to mean that you can't have cheese with meat. Uh, the idea is of the milk is like a dairy product. You can't have the meat of the goat with uh, cheese. And I'm telling you right now that if this passage, because whenever you talk about food, uh, people get really upset. You know, just bring a bacon, right? You know, I was, <laughs> bring a bacon is a transgression, hence a sin. Actually, it's an abomination and people get so upset it's the same thing with the Torah crowd. Like if you threaten, like, you know, cause you have the vegetarian Torah people and the meat eating Torah people. And if you threaten meat with the meat eating Torah people, like they get really upset. I'm telling you right now that if, if the case could be made that you were not to have cheese with meat, I would have no problem saying, okay, I'm not going to mix cheese with meat. Obviously I don't think that's being stated here. Um, I think Pamela translated it beautifully. You shall not ripen a kid of the goats in the fat of his mother literally like the actual kid of a mother you're not to you know cook them together i i don't know how that could be made any clearer i i don't i i i just without the talmud i would never read that and go i think i'm not supposed to have a cheeseburger i just i just don't see that at all do you guys see that i don't see that behold i am the power of your life shall send forth Malaak uh, to your faces, the messenger, to guard you in the way and to bring you into the standing place which I have established. Guard yourself from before his face and hear and obey his voice. Do not be bitter before him, for he will not lift up to your defection or rebellion, for my name and character is in the middle of his heart. For conditionally, that's beautiful right there. For my name and character is in the middle of his heart. For conditionally, if you absolutely hear and obey in his voice and work all the words which I set in order, then I will treat as enemies your oppressors. For my Malak, my messenger, or alternatively, my angel, he will walk to your faces and he will bring you unto the Amoraiah and the uh, Chathuiah and the Pharisaiah and the Canaanite, the, the Canaanites. The Chawaya. Uh, that would be the Hivites and the Jebusites, as you can see, and the uh, and the Yaba Yuasaya. That would be the Jez, uh, the Jebusites. 
and I will annihilate them. Do not bow down and do not pay homage to their Allah Hayam and do not serve them and do not work like they work, but you shall pull down and utterly destroy their statues. Now I'm going to just quickly comment on this here. Um, I remember in the, um, every so often within the Torah crowds, you have these anti-missionary movements that, that erupt where you have a large group of people, they, they come to the conclusion that Yahusha Mashiach is, or I should say, Yahusha is not the Mashiach; he is not Messiah, and they basically walk away. They 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 claim at first that they're just going to keep the Torah, and then eventually they they they're like, yeah, this wasn't fun, and this isn't fun anymore, and they walk away from it. So what they do is they, they these wolves come in, they get into these congregations, they scatter the sheep. Of course, you know, they they pull the sheep out. The sheep scatter. Once the sheep scatter, they never come back. They do a lot of destruction, and then everybody falls away. Uh, and one of the big things that's argued here, they'll say, is that this is not a reference to Messiah. This is actually a reference to, say, Moshe, right? And you can look at the context here, uh, that this angel is sending them to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and Hivites, and Jebusites, right? There's different ideas on this passage. Um, and I personally believe that this is why it is of the utmost importance. You have all these different people breaking off into like, you know, um, you know, the God of the Old Testament is Satan or things like that, right? You know, and I even, I even hate saying that, but it's just, they keep cropping up. They keep coming over here and saying that. And which is, I think, one of the, the dumbest arguments. Like it is so paper thin. Like when you actually start getting into the, into the Bible, it starts falling away. Like these people are not expecting that you have much of a knowledge of scripture to say that. Nevertheless, this is why I think it is so important what Pamela and I are addressing right now, that we believe that Yahuwah is the son of Allah Hayam. The, the, the word speaking right here, right? When, when Yahushua HaMashiach said, Moshe spoke of me, he was speaking about Yahuwah. Um, yeah, so I just think that's really important to point out here. And you shall serve Yahuwah, your ever-living Allahiah, and he will brock your bread and your water and turn aside disease from your midst. So imagine that. So if you are actually creating the judicial system that we have just read here and that we will continue to read for the following year, and if you were to do these things, he will actually bless your bread. Man, our water could use some blessing, I tell you, uh, or brock, I should say. Uh, and he will turn aside disease from your midst. That tells us right here that if we want to wake people up, any true, truer movement is empty and void and to a, going to a dead end if it is not turning people over to the truth of Yahuwah. All right. He promises that like however you feel about the last disease that you know went all you know i'm, I'm speaking low coded here because i'm live on youtube that went around the world that you know i believe it was just a big you know big fat h-o-a-x uh, o-a-x that wouldn't have even happened that wouldn't have even happened if there was a true revival and the people of this world were embracing yahuwah and serving him and being obedient to him it wouldn't happen. It, it couldn't. I will stretch out my terror to your faces. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. 
uh oh yeah so i just skipped that she shall not uh she shall not exist bereaved children she shall not miscarry nor be barren in your land i will fulfill the number of your days i will stretch out my terror to your faces and will put to noisy confusion all the people into whom you come i'll, I'll say really quickly about the whole miscarrying barren thing i mean my wife and i struggled for years to have children and um we thought we couldn't have any more. And there was like this long, like what, eight year gap or whatever. And we came over to the Torah. We started being obedient and we started cleaning up our diet and all this stuff. And boom, we got a surprise. We got baby Rivka. We got a beautiful daughter. That's Yahuwah, you know, fulfilling that promise. He says here that if you do these things, I will barack you. I will stretch out my terror to your faces and will put to noisy confusion all the people to whom you come. And i that's one of his great uh, war strategies there. He loves to throw the enemy into confusion. And I will give all your enemies unto you. They will turn their backs. And th that's one of the things we should you know, pray for, right? Because we know that the world is a stage. It's a script, right? It's run by our controllers. And they can be thrown into confusion their plans can be foiled and you know they can screw up and have hiccups and all these kind of things and um we we see these hiccups all the time and you know we're able to point out you know hoaxes and stuff like that but this is this should be our prayer right that that yahuwah throws our enemies into confusion and he exposes them where maybe they even turn on themselves you know, maybe that wasn't a part of the script, part of the plan. And I will give all your enemies unto you. They will turn their backs. And I have sent forth hornets before your face and will thrust out as a powerful sign the Canaanite and the Hittite. That would be the Chahuahya and the Canaanuya uh, and the Chathuya from before your faces. I will not thrust them out from before your faces in one year, lest the earth, the Ha'aratz, she will exist deserted and the living creatures of the plains multiply against you. I will thrust them out little by little from before your face until you increase with off, until you increase with offspring and thus receive a possession as possession of the land. And I will appoint your territory from the uh, Sahuap Sea even until the Sea of, um, of the Philistines, of the Phalashathuyam, and from the wilderness against the flowing stream. For I will give into your hand those who settle down to dwell in the earth, and you will thrust them out from your face. Do not cut a covenant to them or to their to their Allahai, their, their God. This is one of the reasons, you know, I'm, I will never become a 501c3, right? This is this is telling you not to cut a covenant with other governments, with other, you know, other people, anyone who does not you know, fear it is with Allah Hayam alone. They shall not settle down to dwell in your land, lest they cause you to stumble and be liable for punishment to me. For if you serve their Allah Hayah, surely it will exist as a cause of injury to you. And he declared unto Al Mashaha, saying, Ascend into uh, uh, to Yahuwah the ever living, you and Aaron, uh, Nudab, and a, uh, uh, it would be a Bihu, a Bihu, but Abba Yahawaha, or Yah, whatever. I'm going to get this right. Abba Yahawaha. And the 70 bearded ones of Yashorel, you shall prostrate yourself from a distance. 
And I'm sure nothing's going to go wrong while the elders and everybody leaves Yasharel behind. And Meshaha had approached Yahuwah, the ever-living, by himself. And they had not drawn near, and the people had not ascended with him. And Meshaha came, and he narrated to the people all the words said in order from Yahuwah, the ever-living, and all his judgments, and all the people with voice, Akkad, one in will and purpose. There's that Akkad word where Yahushua HaMashiach prayed uh, that uh, that we would be Akkad with him, just as he is Akkad with the Father, right? So here you see the Akkad word, that they are all one and well in purpose as a congregation, as, as a people. And declared to him all the uh, Daba Rahyam, which the Bar Yehovah said in order, we will work. So they're saying, again, they confirmed this last week. They're like, everything that Yahuwah tells us to do, we'll do it. Everything. Until he starts telling them <laughs> what the commands are. They're like, nope, not doing that. Uh, it's, it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite memes is the uh, the meatloaf song. Remember the, the song he sang, sang in the 90s? Um, um, uh, what is it? Oh, my goodness. Now I'm live, but I, but I won't do that. What is it? Um, somebody quote the song for me. Whatever. It's getting late. Um, and Meshaha wrote all Dabar, Dabarayam Yahuwaha. Oh, yeah, I would do. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for not leaving me hanging. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> that's that's like Christianity in a nutshell. They, they sing these praise songs. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. You know, I can do all things through Christ, but the Torah, oh, can't do that. That's too much. That's asking too much. I can do anything through Christ, but not that. And that's the very attitude we're going to see with uh, uh, basically almost the whole uh, camp here. Maybe not everyone, but pretty much everyone. And he rose early at daybreak and restored an altar beneath the mountain and 12 pillars to represent the 12 tribes of Yashorel. And he sent forth youths of the sons of Yashorel, and he offered ascending burnt offerings and slaughtered oxen as sacrifices, uh, Shalomayan uh, to Yahuwah. And Meshaha took half the blood and set it in a washing trough, and half he scattered upon the altar. And he took the sephar of the covenant, and he cried out in the ears of the people, and they declared, "All that Yahuwah the ever living has said in order, we will fashion, and we will and we will hear and obey." And Meshaha took the blood, and he scattered it upon the people, and he declared, "Behold, the covenant which Yahuwah the ever living has cut with you upon these Dabarayam." And Meshaha ascended, and Aaron, and Nudab, and uh, Abayahawa, and the 70 bearded ones of Yasharel, and they observe the Alhaya of Yasharel. And beneath his feet was a transparent work of sapphire. It was like the, wait, hold on. I think I've, oh no, okay, we're, I'm sorry. I had a, I had a moment there. And beneath his feet was a transparent work of sapphire. It was like the bone of Shamayam in brightness. Uh, this, I'm of the opinion that this was actually, when it talks about a, a bone of heaven, that this was literally a piece of the firmament, that Yahuwah took off a piece of the firmament, and this was the, the original, like, 
kind of transparent, kind of blue-colored Ten Commandments. And upon the nobles of the sons of Yasharil, he did not put forth his hand. And they did con contemplate Ha'alahayam, and he ate and he drank. And Yahuwah declared unto Al-Mashaha, Ascend unto me to the mountain and exist there, and I will give to you tablets of precious stone and the Torah and the commands which I have written to indicate the correct path. Isn't that great? The commands which I have written to indicate the correct path. And Mashaha rose up and Yasha wa -sha -e, his minister. And Mashaha ascended into the mountain of Ha-Alahayam and unto Al, the bearded ones. He declared, sit down in this until such time that we turn back. And behold, Aaron and Chahwar are with you. If any masters have plans, he will approach into them. And Mashaha ascended into the mountain and he concealed the mountain with the cloud. And the heavy weight of splendor of Yahuwah, the ever-living, settled down to dwell upon the mountain of Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And he called out unto Al-Mashaha in the seventh day from the midst of the cloud. And the appearance of the heavy splendor of Yahuwah, the ever-living, was like a devouring fire on the head of the mountain in the eyes of the sons of Yasharel. And Mashaha went into the midst of the cloud and ascended into the mountain. And Mashaha existed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. All right. Um, I totally passed up, um, let's see here. Hmm. Man, well, see, I'm trying something new tonight. And usually what I have in front of me is, um, uh, like all these, you know, notes that I go through with you guys. And, um, see, I skipped that right there. Anyways, um, this was based on, well, it talked about the, uh, oh, the value of the, the value of the woman and um, the bride price. And I wanted to go over this really quickly. So I totally botched this, skipped this, guys. I'm sorry. So I still want to go over Matthew chapter five. That's a really important chapter. Um, and Yahushua HaMashiach, he has this, this parable. And he talks about, uh, this never really made sense to me until I was looking into this. I thought this is really interesting. He says, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me for I have found the peace which is lost. And I always used to go this, read this and go, why is a woman searching a whole, her whole house for one coin? It doesn't really make sense. Like, okay, what you lose a coin, bummer, but you know, you're not gonna go like, look, everybody, I found my coin, right? And um, the idea is is that women used to wear around these headdresses that they they they, they were coin headdresses, and sometimes they would be very lavish all over their head, all the way down. And this was actually their uh their bride price. You would actually walk down the you would walk around, you would see a, a batula. Uh, so not married, not engaged, and she would have, she would, women back then, they didn't necessarily have bank accounts, right? So they're, they're carrying what their value is on them. And I mean, I could almost see a situation where, uh, you know, you'd be like, okay, I want this woman and um, I'm going to pay this bride price. And you kind of like, you know, <laughs> It's like you lift off the uh, the headpiece and be like, you know, I'll, I'll I'll cover you or something like that. So, 
wanted to point that out. But what I wanted to end on tonight is I can't believe where the time goes. It just flies by as I'm reading through this. The Beatitudes, Matthew 5. Now, after we have read through Exodus 21 through 23, I want you to read this, keeping in mind that Yahushua HaMashiach is commenting on this chapter. Keep in mind, we have just been given the, the Ten Commandments last week, and you go straight from the Ten Commandments into uh, everything we just read. And so, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, right? So what did Yahuwah do over the multitudes? right? He spoke so all the multitudes could hear him. And now we see Yahushua doing the same thing. And of course, you guys know, I believe that Yahushua is Yahuwaha. Yahuwah is the son of Allah. He went up on a mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And of course, we just saw uh, Moshe and the elders uh, go up. Then he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I need to lower this you guys. Actually, let's see if I can... Um, Make this a little tighter. Well, maybe that's a little bit too much. I think that's good. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And uh, of course, that's you know that's the the worldly opposite of this is hungering and thirsting for a feeling, material goods, whatever, always seeking happiness. If I have this, I'll be happy. Well, if I have the next thing, I'll be happy. The next upgrade, the next, you know, the next Apple product or whatever, right? And he's like, no, no, no. Like you, you, if you thirst and hunger for righteousness, you will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We're going to cover some of this, but what it is to be a merciful person. And this is the whole idea of an Exodus 21 through 23. Like if you are a merciful purpose uh, person, you're going to get out of a lot of trouble in life. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see Allah Hayam. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of Allah Hayam. Versus a contentious person, right? Malicious, a, a slanderous person, a person going in trying to conquer and divide uh, different ministries. Those would not be sons of Allah Hayam. Those are people who convince themselves and try to convince others they have a circumcised heart, but they don't. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All right. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. And this is, again, that he despises people who are just slandering and speaking untruths about other people. And, you know, the, the fact is, is that, that, as I pointed out, it seems like, the people who are trying to teach the Torah or teach, you know, teach scripture, they're the ones that are most reviled. They're the ones that are most um, gossiped and slandered about. They're the ones that really, yeah, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. I, I need to do a little uh, teaching on this because I have, you know, kind of come to terms with the fact that salt is actually a poison. 
And I used to just salt my food with everything. And I learned like, why in the world am I, when I learned it was a poison, I'm like, why in the world am I salting my food with a poison? Why am I putting poison in eggs? You know, it, it's, it's the, I was, I was speaking with a um, holistic chiropractor. He was, he was giving, he was talking to me about this. And he's like, look, if, if, if the ocean is poison, right? Like if you drink salt water and nothing that you die, why is it like okay to have less of it, right? Just because you have less of it and you don't die doesn't make it okay. And so the idea here is I was raised with this understanding that, uh, you know, saltiness loses its its uh, its it's it's flavor and seasoning here you know that it's actually for the taste but the, the thing is is in the ancient world they were using salt for actually preserving me right you would salt me i knew that uh and they would actually chop the salt off the salt was there to preserve the meat from having it go bad but if the salt wasn't good then the meat goes bad so you could look at this passage and go okay so if if the saltiness loses its saltiness then the meat becomes rotten and you can't untoast the toast, right? You can't take rotten. The whole meat has to be thrown out if it's rotten at that point. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and it gives a light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine or let, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. This is, of course, one of my favorite passages of all time, as you guys know. Do not, why do I have all these commercials down here? I wish I could get rid of these dumb commercials. Maybe this is the last time I'm going to do. Um, uh, oh, look, there's apartments for in South Carolina. Nice. That's good to know. Maybe this is the last time I'm going to do uh, uh, Bible Gateway Alive. Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. All right. So Yahushua HaMashiach, for anyone out there listening right now who is like still hanging on and you're like, no, you're wrong. The Torah is done away with. He says here, he tells you what not to think. He says, do not think. Okay. So this is important. So don't think what he's about to say. Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. Okay. We got it. He did not come to destroy the Torah or the prophets. But he knows that we've already have a short-term memory uh, span and we've probably already forgotten. So he repeats it. He says, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And as soon as you say fulfill, people are like, aha, he fulfilled it. It's done away with. No, he did. Man, they really want you to get those North Charleston, uh, South Carolina apartments. He did not come to <laughs> fulfill clearly does not mean do away with or destroy. It cannot possibly mean that because he told you, do not interpret the word fulfilled to mean destroy. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the Torah till all is fulfilled. All right. So if you can look out your window right now and you could look up and see heaven or you look down and see earth, they haven't passed away. Anybody want a new jacket? Uh, <laughs> then the Torah abides. All right. It, the, the, heaven and earth is here. The Torah abides. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Ouch. This is the least of the commands. One of the greatest commandments is in the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath. And how many times are we, you know, people tell people to break that one? But he's saying the least. If you if you want to set the bar so low for yourself, he says, you know, that I mean, really Russian roulette with the soul. Like at this point, it's like, 
you know, how many commands are you breaking here openly before you're even admitted in the kingdom? And he's like, look, if you want to set the bar so low that you just you just want to make it in just barely and you're just going to be at the bottom class servant, whatever, uh, just break the commands and tell other people to break it. All right. That's in the New Testament. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes. Hey, I think I killed the ad just there. I saw the X. I killed it as soon as it came up. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness, righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And here, here it is directly straight from. So we get through this idea of this, uh, the Beatitudes through this gnosis of, of, you know, experiencing the kingdom within. And then he says here, you have heard it, that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. And as you guys know, he's, he's straight up saying here, he's like, look, fine. You haven't physically murdered someone. That's good. But if you're angry with your brother, you have the root of murder in you. You know, you're still in danger of hellfire. Whoever says, of course, that's King James there, uh, or I'm sorry, danger of the judgment. I didn't read hell there. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. That is right there. That's King James, of course. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. We read earlier tonight in Psalms where he says, I do not desire your sacrifice, right? He wants you, he talks about, he stretched forth his ear and he wants you like, he just, yeah, and he just, what he wants is the spiritual sacrifice. I went over that with the Q&A this last week, uh, talking about in First Peter. He, he wants a spiritual sacrifice from us. He wants us to not be malicious towards each other, not be, you know, slandering and attacking with false witnesses. He wants us to love each other. And more than anything, if you have, if you have done anything wrong to anybody, he, like, he doesn't even want you to come up to his altar and give him all this false praise and all this kind of stuff. Like, no. You want to you want to um, sacrifice me? Go make up with your brother. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. So, I, I guess I need to repeat this last part here, and this is one of the passages I was looking for. Is um, you know. You, recompense right so these things happen your ox goes and bores somebody your somebody falls into a ditch they're bringing you now in front of the, the the judges rather than having an attitude like realize like oh no like i'm about to get judged uh i have broken the torah like make up with them quickly it says you're your adversary right this is a person that is coming in to accuse you he is coming in to play the part of the satan he is accusing you and saying this guy broke the Torah. He did this damage. I want recompense. Make up with him as quickly as possible. And, 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 you know, to the judge as well, speak to the judge in such a way that, you know, this sentence will be less, a lot less. So surely I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Uh, if you are, you know, if you are speaking rudely. Um, let me just quickly jump here to the, Sixth chapter. And then we're going to close on that tonight. Ah, 
Let's do this. All right. Um, this actually really was meaningful. I want to close on this tonight, and then we'll do the late show after this. I'm having my my sons uh, through our our Sabbath family sessions. We're reading through Matthew this year, uh, right now, and I've given each of my sons a Bible, and so we all read along as a family. And I, you know, I do popcorn. Okay, you read this paragraph, you read this paragraph, and then I have them. Uh, we discuss it as a family. We're taking our time going through it, and we read this this last week. And, you know, after talking to you guys about, you know, that there's kind of been a, a, a change in plans and, you know, I'm asking for, you know, support to continue with the ministry, single, uh, single income household. It's been a big change in our house. It happened so suddenly. And, and I put that out there when I put that fundraiser out there, I was thinking, this is the end of me. Like, this is, I'm done. Like this, this is going to end my career out there. And people are always going to remember this is how he went out. Like he went out like a punk. And, um, and then my, my sons are reading Matthew chapter six to us. And my wife and I are just sitting there and Yahuwah is actually speaking to us through the words of Yahusha HaMashiach through our sons. Like they're reading this to us and we were just like blown away. And this is what he says. Um, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other. And of course he's talking about alhayam and money or else he will be loyal to the one who despises the other you cannot serve alhayam and mammon or you say elohim and mammon therefore i say to you do not worry about your life which you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing look at the birds of the air for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not of more value than they which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? And um, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if Elohim or Alahayam so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the goyim seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of Allah and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That was really um, encouraging to hear that read and uh, I hope the I, I felt I felt really scatterbrained tonight. I'm sorry, guys. I, I tried something new tonight. You know, usually I have all the notes in front of me, and I was trying to. Uh, there were tons of stuff that I didn't go through tonight. I kind of read through it, and I didn't have all the the cues. So um, next week I might, um, but I wanted to show you guys. You know the uh, the 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 study guide, and you know showing them lines side by side, and I really like that. But next week maybe I'll go back to. Uh, kind of doing something with my notes again. So I have all the extra scripture in there. And that concludes the Torah portions for tonight. Again, I hope you guys love that. I love that pas pas uh, passage, just reading through it. Even if I had no commentary, 
and just read through, just said reading of the word of Yahuwaha. It was an amazing passage. And again, you know, just to, to sum this up is that uh, nothing says that the Torah needs to be a transformative document like that passage there. And, you know, understanding that if, if we truly were loving our neighbor and, um, and taking care of their needs, right. That kind of thing. It, it's, it's, you know, it's, instead of taking someone's shirt, you give them your shirt, right. Yahushua HaMashiach would say elsewhere, uh, you know, go with someone that extra mile. If you have to go with them one mile, go that second mile. And, um, you know, if, if, if your worst enemies ox falls in the ditch, you know, take care of, or whatever, or they're loose. You see them loose. You go take care of them, right? That's the kind of love he wants to see from us um, amongst his congregation. So love you guys. We're going to end on that note. We'll do this again next week. Thank you all for being here and making this a tradition. I see we're growing week by week. More and more people are coming by. After this, I'm going to be doing the Late Late Show. We'll be going over the Rod of Yahuwaha and Excalibur. So, yeah. Good night, everybody. See you over there.